Welcome to the audio podcast of Believer's House. We are a multi-generational, multi-ethnic church in the city of Halifax, Nova Scotia, called to lead people to Jesus, make them more like Him, and see them lead others to Him. We hope this message you are about to listen to inspires you to become more like Jesus in your thoughts, words, and actions. We don't need to know what it is, um, but I want us to pray and believe God, that God would intervene, that He would do what only Him alone can do in that circumstance, whatever it is. Um, you don't need to know what it is. You can pray in the Spirit. And if you can't pray in the Spirit, just pray and ask God that whatever that situation is, whatever is going on right now, that only God can fix, only Him can intervene. Let Him go ahead and, and intervene in that matter right now. In the name of Jesus, go ahead and pray. Open your mouth and begin to talk to God. Please pray. I need you to pray. This is not, um, we're not feeling time. We're, we're trusting God for a miracle. We're trusting God for a miracle. Pray. Pray, pray, in the, pray in the Spirit. If you can't pray in the Spirit, just ask God to do what only Him can do. He knows what the situation is. We don't need to know. We don't need to know. All we need is the testimony. All we need to hear is the testimony. And we vow to give you the praise, Jesus. We vow to give you the praise. Mareke Zupra Hatura Hadia Kaski Hatelia Garaboso Merere Rossi Hira Katira Borahira Katasia Tom Predia Ratusia Kata Lero Mosoho Prehede Zihata Mareko Jehebra Handuli Aruski, whatever it is, Lord, we ask that you intervene, that you make the crooked places straight in the name of Jesus Christ, that you make the crooked places straight and let them return with a testimony. In the name of Jesus. One of the advantages of having a church family is that you have people who can believe God with you. Let's practice that this morning and ask God to step in. Let's ask God to step in. Let's ask him to step in. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we ask for your divine intervention, O God, in the, in the natural course of things, that you intervene divinely and cause a shift, cause a shift this morning. In the name of Jesus, whatever needs to align for it to be a favorable outcome, let there be an alignment this morning. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Father, we trust you. We trust you. We know that you are good and you are a faithful God. We believe together as a family this morning because your word says that where two or three are gathered together in your name, there you are in their midst. And that whatever we agree on earth... If the two, two of us, that's what your word says, if two of us shall agree, we are more than two, we are more than three. And we, we agree together today as touching this thing, whatever it is that they have asked and lifted up their hands concerning. We declare in the name of Jesus that this will be the last time there will be a prayer point about it. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask for your hand, your supernatural hand to step in right now and bring about an answer. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We give you praise and glory for it in advance. We thank you and we worship you. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. All right, God bless you. You can have your seats. Welcome to church once again. All right. Um, my first joke this morning is um, only, only married people will understand it. So I'm going to do two. So that <laughs> if you don't understand the first one, the second one will compensate for it. But if you don't have a wife, you might not really get it. So let's see how it, how it goes, okay? 
So this was the first woman in space. She was talking, and she said, Hey, Control, we have a problem. What? Oh, never mind. What's the problem? Nothing. Please tell us what the problem is. I'm fine. <laughs> Don't worry. If you have a wife, you know what I'm talking about. Well, it's dangerous when you do this in space <laughs> because you're on your own. <laughs> All right. So a pastor at dinner at the home of a couple in his church. I like this one a lot. After he left, the wife said to the husband, I think the pastor stole our spoon. That bothered her for a whole year. A year later, the couple had the pastor over for dinner again. Unable to resist, the wife asked, Pastor, did you steal our spoon last year? The pastor replied, no, no, no. I just put it inside your Bible. Ah, I like it. <laughs> I like that one so much. All right, I'll probably do that one again and again and again. I like it. <laughs> okay, let's take our confession. All right, say this with me. Say every day. Oh, are you sleeping now? Every day and in every way, I'm becoming more like Jesus. I'm becoming more like Jesus. One more time, I'm becoming more like Jesus. In my thoughts, in my words, and in my actions. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we approach your word this morning like people that have found a great treasure. We ask for eyes that see and ears that hear, hearts that understand who we are in Christ, who Christ is in us. I ask that you anoint me and my lips of clay. Let your word come again this morning with accuracy, with simplicity, and with boldness. Let it come unhindered and unsupervised by any demonic force, so that at the end of this word, your people will be edified and your name alone will be glorified. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen. All right, we're going to read another long passage this morning to start. Uh, bear with me, okay? I'm, I'm being intentional about these passages that we're reading. I just want us to read a lot of scripture because we don't have a special time for Bible reading. So we're in this series called The Leap of Faith, and today is the final message that I'm going to share in this series. Hopefully next week we can move, move it along into something, something else. And this one is called Faith for the Leap. Faith for the Leap. This is what I believe is the final step the final piece of the puzzle that we have been putting together over the last um, five weeks now, all right? So I want you to really stay with me in this message. It's going to be a little, bit, a little bit longer than the other ones, but it will not be boring, okay? Because I try not to be boring. I always tell people, I remember when I was a youth pastor, I used to tell them that if you sleep while I'm preaching, it's your fault. <laughs> it's your fault. That means you have a problem. Maybe Cesar Fly has beaten me or something. <laughs> you know, it's not my fault. All right, so let's go. Genesis chapter number 30. We're going to read from verse 25 to verse 42. Genesis chapter number 30, from verse 25 to verse 42. Let's go. He said, And it came to pass, when Rachel had born Joseph, that Jacob said to Laban, Send me away, that I may go to my own place and to my country. Give me my wives and my children, for whom I have served you, and let me go, for you know my service which I have done for you. And Laban said to him, Please stay, if I have found favor in your eyes, for I have learned by experience that the Lord has blessed me for your sake. Then he said, Name me your wages, and I will give it. Verse 29, So Jacob said to him, You know how I have served you, and how your livestock has been with me. For what you had before I came was little, and it has increased to a great amount. 
the Lord has blessed you since my coming. And now, when shall I also provide for my own house? 31. So he said, what shall I give you? And Jacob said, you shall not give me anything. If you will do this thing for me, I will again feed and keep your flocks. Let me pass through all your flock today, removing from there all the speckled and spotted sheep and all the brown ones among the lambs and the spotted and speckled among the goats. And these shall be my wages. So my righteousness will answer for me in time to come. When the subject of my wages comes before you, everyone that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and brown among the lambs will be considered stolen if it is with me. And Laban said, oh, that it were according to your word. In other words, I agree with you. 35, so he removed that day the male goats that were speckled and spotted, all the female goats that were speckled and spotted, every one that had some white in it, and all the brown ones among the lambs, and gave them into the hand of his sons. Then he put three days' journey between himself and Jacob, and Jacob fed the rest of Laban's flocks. Now Jacob took for himself rods of green poplar and of the almond and chestnut trees, peeled white strips in them, and exposed the white which was in the rods. And the rods which he had peeled is set before the flocks in the gutters, in the watering troughs where the flocks came to drink, so that they should conceive when they came to drink. So the flocks conceived before the rods, and the flocks brought forth strict, speckled, and spotted. Then Jacob separated the lambs and made the flocks face towards the street and all the brown in the flock of Laban. But he put his own flocks by themselves and did not put them with Laban's flock. And it came to pass, whenever the stronger livestock conceived, that Jacob placed the rods before the eyes of the livestock in the gutters, that they might conceive among the rods. But when the flocks were feeble, he did not put them in. So the feebler were Laban's and the stronger were Jacob's. Glory be to God. This is a very long passage, but I want to just draw out some principles here. I want to draw out some principles here for us uh, as we go along in this, in this final message and show you some things that I believe are very important to what we have been talking about. Now, it's a very delicate passage. And I, I want you to follow me. I'm, I'm going to try to pace myself today and not... Um, you know, rush through the sermon, because last week I rushed a little bit, <laughs> you know, even though it was, it was good, I got a lot of feedback, you know, about it. I mean, if, if your wife says your sermon was good, there's chances are your sermon was good, okay? So I, I, I got a lot of feedback from people, from a lot of people about that, but one of the feedback was that it was, it felt very rushed, and I, my, my defense to that is that you can always go back to it. It's not a one and done it's on the podcast, <laughs> so you can listen to it over and over again. Okay, so I'm going to try to pace myself today. Now, the first point here that I want to bring out is the fact that, you see, on the road to extremely prosperous, uh, there, is, there is something called tough decisions. Look at it, verse 43. Thus, the man became exceedingly prosperous and had large flocks, female and male servants, and camels and donkeys. So, this is how he got to the point of being extremely prosperous. 
there was a tough decision that was before him that he had to make. And this is what we've been talking about throughout this series, that there's going to come an opportunity for you to make a decision. That decision is not going to be an obvious decision. It's not going to be obvious. It will be an, a, a, a decision that will come out of the time that you have spent with God. It will come out of you looking at the word of God. I want to reestablish that so that you understand that that's what we're talking about. It's not a, a decision that will come out of an idea out of the blues, something that you, know, you just dreamt of, or something that comes out of you trying to be like somebody else. It's going to come out of your time with God. It's going to come out of something that you have seen in the scripture. But that decision, that primary decision, that one decision, is going to lead you to a place called exceedingly prosperous. Every single human being on the earth has had the opportunity to make that decision. Every single human being. And I'm saying whether that person is a believer or a non-believer, everybody, God gives every human being on the earth an opportunity to make that decision. I mean, I was listening to a podcast about, um, about Ford, about the, the Ford guy that started the motor vehicle. And they asked him, they said, you know, um, no, he, he was the one who made the statement that if I had asked people what they wanted, they would have told me that they wanted faster horses. <laughs> Do you understand that? That if at the time when he decided that what human beings actually need is a car that is motorized, if he had decided to make it a public vote, people would have said, just make the horses faster or, you know, something like that because that's what people could see. But he could see something else. So we are saying that this decision might be something that nobody else but you is able to see it at that time. Or so many other people could, could be seeing that same thing, but nobody is willing to make the move. Nobody is willing to make the move, to take the step. And the step that you're going to take is not a step that will produce an immediate return. Don't forget what we said, that sometimes that, that leap of faith that you are taking is not a leap that, you know, is just going to materialize in a wrapped package that looks like a gift. It will most likely show up as a problem. It will most likely show up as a challenge. And sometimes it takes a long time for this things to incubate, for them to mature. You might, you might need some time to brood over it. You might need some time to nurture it in your heart. But after some time, it will come, it will come to light. Please stay with me, okay? I'm, I'm building this up. Now, Jacob, in this story, he had an opportunity. The Bible says, Laban asked him, he said, what should I give you? Laban asked him that question, what should I give you? Jacob said, don't give me anything. Now, imagine you have worked for somebody for so long. And the person is asking you, what should I give you? And your answer is, don't give me anything. Don't give me anything. I just want this one opportunity to do this thing that nobody has ever done before. You must have seen something. You can't just wake up and say, I mean, your master whom you have served for so many years is asking you, what should I give you? He said, oh, I want to go and, you know, I want to go and start my own family. I want to be able to provide for my own household. And, and the master is asking you, what should I give you? I mean, ask for something, you know, ask, give me capital to go and start my own business, right? But that's the easy way out. He was not looking for the easy way out. Because if he had taken whatever Jacob uh, Laban was able to give him, it would have been limited to whatever Laban was able to give him. Please stay with me. It would have been limited from that point to what Laban was able to give him. But because he chose a more difficult route, in the natural, it was a more difficult route. I mean, how can you put animals that don't have spots 
somewhere and you say, these animals are going to give birth to speckled and spotted and the speckled and spotted will be my own. That doesn't make sense. But he did that because he had seen something. He had seen something and he understood that. If God helps me in this one, I have discovered the secrets of exceedingly prosperous. If I am able to do it this way and not rely on handouts from people, I've, I've discovered a secret here. And that secret is going to stay with you. I always tell people that when you work somewhere, when you work in, a, in, a, in an organization or whatever it is, right? Your real reward, your real reward is not the wages that you earn. It is the person that you become in the process of working there. That's your real, your real reward. That's your real wage. Is what, what you become, who you become. Because the, the reason why people hire somebody who has a first class over somebody who has a third class is not because of the, what they wrote on the certificate. No. It is because when, somebody, when you say you had a first class in school, what it means is that there are certain disciplines that comes with having a first class that you must have had. It means that when they tell you to submit an assignment, you submit it on time. That's what they are hiring. It's not the paper. So it's the person that you become in the process of this thing that, that, that is really the value that you get. So Jacob put everything at stake for this one decision. His ability to provide for his family, he put it at stake for this one move. For this one decision that he was going to make. So the leap of faith is never looking for a handout or an easy way out. The road to exceedingly prosperous is laced with a tough decision. That's what we call the leap of, the leap of faith. The steps of a leap of faith will eventually be easy, but you will be uneasy. The steps that you are going to take for a leap of faith, they will become easy eventually, but you as a person, you will feel uneasy. You will not, you will not be able to rest because it's almost like you are walking on water. Because there's nothing else that you can see on the, on, the, on the surface level that is holding you up except the word of God. So you will feel uneasy. But don't forget what we said, that when you feel uneasy, that is the time to stabilize your heart with the word of God. When you, feel, when you start feeling that fear in your heart about the move that you're about to make, you need to stabilize your heart. You need to reassure yourself that God is with me. And the way you do that is by the word of God. It's not by, by wishful thinking or just saying in your, in your head that I know, I know I'm going to be okay. No, no, no. It's, it's with the word. The word that God has given you is what you use to stabilize your heart. Now, as anxiety shows up and you feel uneasy, you need to stabilize your heart with the spoken word. The absence of heavy evidence is not the evidence of absence. Listen, I'm going to say a lot of this kind of thing. So if you want to write them, just write. But I'm going to say a lot of this kind of statements and explain them. The issue is this. When you feel the absence of evidence, that is not the evidence of absence. In other words, it's not the evidence that God is not with you. The fact that you don't feel anything around you or you can't see any sign, the evidence that you need is the written word of God that you have. Let me give you an example to make it plain to you. I have a car outside there, right? That is mine. It's in my name, okay? If I give that car, let's say Samson, maybe his roommates carry this car away, you know, and he doesn't have a car. And Samson calls me and says, Pastor Shane, I need that your car. Maybe you guys can use the other car. Let me have that one, right? And I give him that car to use. Let's say for a month, they don't return Samson's car. And Samson keeps driving that car, right? The fact that I am not in possession of my car, does it mean the car does not belong to me? What is the proof that the car belongs to me? 
Is it that I'm driving it? No. The proof that I own the car is what is written inside a paper that is inside that car. That's the proof. So I'm saying to you that the evidence of what God wants to do in your life is the written word that you have. That's the evidence. So the fact that somebody else is in possession of that blessing right now does not mean it's not yours. So what you should be looking at is not the, the, the outward appearance of it. It is what God has told you. What God has told you and the evidence, that's what you need to be, to be looking at. You need to keep your eyes on that. I'm stressing this because this is the point where people fall off in this walk of faith. This is where people fall off. Because it's so easy to attach your heart to what you can see. That is so easy. What is difficult is for you to concentrate on the scriptures when you can't see anything on the outside. When they are sending you bills every month and you don't know how you're going to pay it, to keep your eyes on the word of God that says you will be prosperous, you will lend to nations when they are sending you bills. <laughs> when they are sending you bills to pay, it's hard. But that is faith. That's the work that you need to do. Please stay with me. Now, in the middle of an operation, have you ever seen where they're having an operation before? I told you I've been, watch, I've been watching this, this show that I really like, right? And they do a lot of operations. In that, in fact, some of the operations, I can't look at it. Like when they start, I just carry my eyes at like, this one's after that again. <laughs> it, because in the middle of an operation, it looks like murder. It looks as if they are killing somebody. When they, when they, when they are operating on someone, <laughs> it looks like murder. You, you look at them, ah, why? What is this? That's the way it looks when God is working on you. It looks like, like murder. It looks like a chaotic situation. Just like when you are renovating an apartment. When you come in there, it looks as if, ah, what is this? <laughs> you know, it, just, it looks like a disaster, but that's not the issue. The issue is wait. wait. Just do what? Wait. Just wait, because God is doing something. That's how it looks when you are in the middle of a leap of faith. You look around you, the parachute is gone. You are floating in the air. <laughs> and you look down. And you say, oh my God, what's going to happen now? <laughs> that's how it is. You are floating in the air. This, that's what this thing called the leap of faith is. Listen, have you seen people who, who do skyscrapers? You know, those people that walk on rope across the skylines. Have you seen them before? You know, you know there are some that when they are doing it, you know, like the Grand Canyon ones, when they are doing it, there is a net at the, at the bottom of the thing. You know those ones where there's a net, you know? Of course, they are taking a risk. Me, I won't do it. Even if they put a bed there, I will not do it. <laughs> but I'm saying that <laughs> when you look and they are doing that and there's a net at the, at the bottom of it, you can still, you, 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 you feel like they are taking a risk, but at the same time, you're like, well, but there's a net now. Ah, there's a net, so it's not really. But when you see the guy who is doing it and there's no net, your heart will be pounding. That, ah, if this guy falls, his brain will scatter. You, you know that this is going to be bad. That's what it looks like when you are taking a leap of faith. A leap of faith does not have a safety net. You know, when, when you know, God tells you, leave your job and, and start this business. And then you look <laughs> and say, where is my next, <laughs> my next paycheck going to come from? <laughs> if I start this business, I'm telling you to start. Oh, oh, oh God, let's leave that business. <laughs> let's be collecting our $10 per hour and <laughs> stay there. <laughs> but you know, the problem is, the problem is, when, when the opportunity for a leap of faith shows up in your life, it only has a small window of opportunity. Because every opportunity has to be taken in the lifetime of that opportunity. Every opportunity has a lifetime. If you don't take the opportunity at the time when you're supposed to take it, the opportunity will go. It might come back in another cycle of life, or it might take another five years. It might take another ten years for that, that same opportunity to show up in your life again. So when it shows up, 
The people who are going to be outstanding are the ones who jump in. The guys who are going to make a difference are the people who say, like the Wright brothers, say, even though all we are doing right now is running and riding horses up and down the old place, I know that we can fly. I know that it is possible for people to fly. Everybody else will be looking at you. Now, what's wrong with these people? These two brothers, they will die crazy. They are crazy. Because, I mean, we even managed to do a wheel that can be moving us. They say we can fly inside the air. Like, but they, they, they knew. And, and, and I'm using these examples because these were not Christians per se now. They were not. So I'm telling you that these opportunities that I'm talking about, they show up to everybody. The difference between them and us is that we have an assurance, which is the word of God, that what we are believing will come to pass. Say amen to that. All right. So you don't have to know how you're going to get there at the beginning. You must be clear where you are going, though. So at the beginning, you might not know how you will get there. What you have to be clear about is you know where you are going. Uh -huh. So you don't have to have the complete picture at the beginning, but you must know where you are going. You must know the destination, and you must know that this thing is possible. No matter what everybody else is saying, because you have seen something, there is an evidence that you have that this thing is going to come to pass. Now, let me, let me show you what I mean by the lifetime of an opportunity. Look at Acts chapter number 14. Let's go to Acts chapter 14, from verse 8 to verse 10. Acts 14, 8 to 10. It says, and in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb who had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking. Paul, observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, stand up straight on your feet. And he leaped and walked. This, this scripture captures everything that we've been talking about. The fact that a leap of faith is not something that you do on your own. You have to have heard something. There is a word that comes to you that says, you can do this. Get up and do this. That's what happened to this man. He heard Paul speaking. He didn't just stand by himself, wake up by himself and say, I'm tired of being in this place. Oh, I'm so tired. Or he sees people walking and just says, you know what, I'm tired. Yeah, the Bible says he has never walked. So it's not about just desiring something. It's, it's about you hearing something. You see something in the scripture. You see a word. I'm stressing this again and again because I want this to be the foundation of every leap that you're going to take after this message, okay? That you understand that this is God speaking to me. Just like the way Jesus said to Peter when, when he was walking on water. And Peter said, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come. And Jesus said, come. That's the word that lifted Peter above the water. It wasn't just because he just had this fancy desire that, you know, it, can be, it would be cool to walk on water like Jesus so that he can write my name in the Bible. Let me just do it. You know, that's not the idea. The idea is that you hear something. You hear something. So what produced the man's healing were the words that he received by faith. What will produce your next level are words. The words that you receive by faith and the words that you are speaking, the words that you are declaring. So the words that Paul spoke to this man was what created the infrastructure for him to take that leap. It was the words. The, the words literally created something that materialized into strength in his legs and began to leap. That's why we were saying that you don't need to know how this thing is going to come to pass. It's like you plant a seed and you go to sleep. The word has within it what it requires to do what it says it will do. All right? A leap of faith is not something that happens as a result of more effort. It's simply a change of gear based on God's word to you. It may require creating white space for the opportunity. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 8 to 9, that 
God, he takes away the first. Look at verse 9. It says, he takes away the first that he may establish the second. So the way God operates is that when he wants to bring something new into your life, most of the time he needs you to create something called white space. Just like you're writing on the marker, on the board. You're writing on the board. When you have written and the board is filled, you need to clean some, some areas to create white space in order to write more things. Because you can't write on something that is already occupied. That's the same way it is. When God brings you an opportunity like that, he needs you to create space in your life for that opportunity. So you can't just add it to every other thing you have been doing. There are things you need to edit out of your life. There are things I have to get rid of to be able to accommodate this church in my life. There are things that I was doing that I felt like I, I'm passionate about this. But I have to get rid of them because I need the space to be able to you know, meditate on what I'm doing right now at the moment. Now, the leap of faith is something that has a window of opportunity. That's what we're talking about. If that crippled man, if this man, if he had waited until the next day to act on the word that Paul spoke, let me ask you a question. Do you think he would have gotten up from that place? Do you think so? I want to be sure that we agree that if he had waited till the next day, there's no way he would have gotten up from that place because the Bible says Paul looked at him and saw that he had faith to be healed because of the word that he had heard. But if he didn't get up, if he didn't take that decision at that moment to say, I'm going to stand up from here and do this thing. Just like this morning, you know, the prayer that I asked us to pray. If, if I felt that in my heart this morning and I just decided that that's not, not, not part of our normal, you know, it's not part of our normal flow. After worship, we praise, you know, we say some things. Then we joke, then we do confession. That's the normal flow, normal flow, you know. And the Holy Spirit is prompting you that this is what you need to do now. This is what you need to do now. It's because God is present at that time to do that thing. If you don't take that step at that moment, that thing might never happen. It might never get done. So you need to take that opportunity in the lifetime of the opportunity. Something that you may not be thinking about gets presented to you at the most inconvenient time. That is what is called the leap of faith. So something that you are not, it's not like something you went to manufacture by yourself. You are going about your life. You know, I, see, one of the things that people don't know is that at the point when, when it hit my heart that we're going to start this church and I made up my mind, I was looking for a space to start a photo studio. My wife knows that. That's what I was looking for. <laughs> I was, I, I bought a camera. That's why you see that some of these things, we have them. It's not because I bought them for church. I bought them for my studio. So all the lights that you see, all of these things, all this background, all these things, I was preparing to start a photo studio. I was going about looking for space where I could have a studio, and I was talking to people. I must have spoken to you about it, that I want to take your picture. Did I ever mention that to you? I was talking to some families and saying, when you people, you know, when, when you are, I'm doing this, so I want to take your, your picture just to promote this thing. That's what I was planning to do. So I wasn't looking for church. It's not like I was, you know, in this space where, so something will hit you that, I mean, how do you start a church in the middle of a pandemic? How, how do you say, people, come, let's gather together. When they say, don't gather. <laughs> Just at the time when they are saying, don't gather together. Then you decide that this is the time for you to do So it will come at an unopportune time. At a time that looks so inconvenient. God will tell you, this is the time for you to start that business. This, I want you to get out of this, you know, nine to five. You don't have to quit your job, but I want you to start doing something about it. I wasn't going to quit my job to do my studio. It was just something that I was extremely passionate about. In fact, I had taken some pictures of my family. You know, we started with that, where I took some pictures, I did that. My last birthday, I took the pictures by myself, the birthday pictures that I put on, on, everywhere. You know, so I already started taking some steps. It's not like I, I quit my job to say, oh, I'm, uh, God is leading me. It's a leap of faith, it's a leap of faith, it's a leap of faith. 
listen, <laughs> I'm telling you that this thing called the leap of faith is something that you do with the guidance of the word of God. What you see in the word is what you do, okay? Let's move on. Now, this leap of faith will not make sense. It doesn't even take more prayer. It just requires one action. That action is based on the word of God. Romans chapter number 10. Romans chapter 10, let's read from verse 1 to verse 8. It says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. He says these people have a, a zeal, but that zeal is not according to knowledge. So this leap of faith is something that is according to knowledge. Uh -huh. The missing link is your decision to do it and doors begin to open. When you speak the words and do what is needful, the doors open up for you. The doors don't open because you have made the decision to take a leap of faith. I'm telling you that if you see a door that is open without you having declared the word of God, it is a Red Sea. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you get somewhere and you just see a door that, that just opened of its own, <laughs> that, you know, you know we, we quote that in the Bible a lot and say, oh, everything will just open for you on its own accord. <laughs> Listen, let me tell you. In this thing called the leap of faith, if you see a door that just opened without you having declared the word of God, it's not a result of this thing. I'm telling you that it's not a result of the word of God. You have to watch and be sure that this is an opportunity that God is opening for you, not something that opened for somebody else that you just decided to take advantage of. Okay. Okay, I'll say it one more time. <laughs> you, and you know why I'm repeating it like this? Because this is where people make the mistake. This is the, this is the biggest point. This is where people fail in this thing called faith. You know, they assume a lot that faith is, I have a desire. I have a desire in my heart. And God has to agree with that desire and bring it to pass. So I want to, I, I want to give birth to a boy. I want a boy. You just decided by yourself. Oh. It's not like God told you anything. You didn't see the scripture. Huh? That desire is good, but it's not faith. Let's be clear. So when you give birth and it is a beautiful girl, don't say faith did not work. <laughs> because that was not faith. Do you understand? What faith is, is that God showed you in the Bible. You were praying one day and God said, open your Bible. And you saw that scripture that says, male and female created Eden. And that scripture jumped out at you, grabbed the hold of your heart, and God said to you, because of this scripture, I'm going to give you both male and female. You can hold on to that. Nothing on the earth will stop you from having male and female. So it's not just about you having this desire, you know, of something. And say, before I'm 30, I'm going to have a Range Rover. Before I'm 30, I'm going to have a Range Rover, Vela. Range Rover, Vela. Before I'm 30, <laughs> Range Rover, Vela, Vela. <laughs> there you be, you're confessing that every day. You're confessing, you write it down. You put a scripture beside it, you know, and say, uh, he outran Ahab in the chariot. And that chariot is my Range Rover, Vela, Vela. You'll be there. <laughs> You'll be there. You'll be 40. You'll be 40 years old. There'll be no Toyota. You will not have Toyota. <laughs> because that's not faith. That's not the way faith works. That's not the way faith works. Faith is that God made you a promise and you are holding God accountable to that promise. This is very, very important, okay? Let's move on. Now let, me, let me try to tie this up now. I'm going to skip a few things here. All right? So it says in Isaiah chapter 54, let me, let me run through Isaiah 54 here. 
I'm just going to skip all of this. Isaiah 54 from verse 2 to verse 4. says, enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your sticks. When you lengthen your cords, it says, for you shall expand to the right and to the left and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. So when you lengthen your cords, that's when you, you now begin to break forth on the right and on the left. What does it mean to lengthen your courts? It means that because you have, you've kept looking at the scriptures over and over again, you've kept confessing those scriptures, your heart has expanded to the point where you will be saying things that to other people sounds big, but to you, they sound like a small beginning because your heart has enlarged. Your heart has enlarged. So some people will come in here, right? I'm using the church as an example because, again, like I told you before, that's my own reality, right? So we will come in here, <clears throat> here and say, wow, I've had more than one, one occasion. I mean, our uh, 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 pastor came here the other day to lead prayers, right? And he said the same thing. Oh, this is a beautiful place. Remember the first time Serge came in here too? He sent me a message, oh, what a wonderful place you have. You know, but that's, that's nice. Do you understand? It's good. But my own mind, what is inside my mind if I tell you, you will not come back. <laughs> if I tell you what I see when I stand here every morning, huh? and when I come here on Saturday night and I'm praying, when I, if I tell you what my eyes are seeing, you'll be afraid. You'll be too afraid to come back. So that's why I don't tell you some things. <laughs> I just let us, you know, let's do church. I'll just be happy. But what my, my own eyes can see, what I can see, it's amazing because I've, I've enlarged my heart. My heart has enlarged. But I understand that you can have a dream, but you have to take steps towards that dream. And you don't despise the days of little beginnings. But what I'm saying to you is that the word that will be coming out of your mouth, people will be telling you, ah, isn't that too much? Can't you start like this? Ah, start like this now. That thing you are saying is too much. Nobody else has ever done that. That's when you know that you are about to take a leap of faith. When people start telling you things like that, that, ah, that's, that has never been done before now. Ah, can't you do what everybody's doing? That's how you recognize that this thing I'm about to do is a leap of faith. When you start saying things and people start cautioning you that, ah, uh -uh. <laughs> slow down, cool down, do it like this. Uh, hey, you know, because if it is something you can just reach out in your pocket and do, that's not a leap of faith. Because for the studio that we were going to do, I already had the plan. We knew what was going I had already bought the equipment. The final piece of the puzzle was to get a small place. And I don't, I don't need up to a fourth of this room. This place is massive. All I needed was one long, you know, place where I can just put background and, and shoot people. Collect $150 per hour and be living my life <laughs> and be happy, right? But that's not a leap of faith because you can reach out in your hand, in your pocket and just fulfill that. You can do that. But when you have to do something that involves other people and people are telling you, why don't you wait? Let the pandemic be over. This is not a good time. It's not a good time. Let the pandemic, pandemic, let it go. <laughs> Let it go away. When, you know, when they remove all the restrictions and all the gathering limits, then you can, you know, that's when you should be doing church. Not, you know, don't, don't do this now. Or, or stay in your basement. Stay in your basement and just be shooting video. You know, you're already doing YouTube. So to stay in your basement, be doing video. Shoot video, preach, you know, and just be doing that, you know. And then later, you can, you can be there for 10 years. You can be there because the opportunity, the lifetime of the opportunity has passed. You can be there waiting for people to tell you we are with you, right? You're about to start the business. You are waiting for the government to just call you out of the blues and say, oh, we saw you on the internet. We just want to gift you a grant. 
<laughs> oh boy, you will be there. <laughs> you shall be there forever. You will stay there. You will stay there. You start. When, see, I told you the day that the thing hit my heart that we're going to start this church. Let me tell you. Let me just tell you now. Eh? The day that we made the decision that I told my wife, I said, I've seen this thing in scripture. I saw Luke chapter 10, uh, verse 18. I saw Satan fall like lightning. And God said to me, look at 10, 18. Look at your calendar. 10, 18 is October 18. That's the day I want you to start this thing. You're not, that's the day Satan fell like lightning. You must start that thing on that day. I told my wife, I said, this is what we're going to do. The day we made that decision, the only spare money that I had inside our account, the, when I say spare money now, is that if we pay all our bills this month, the only money I can take out of the account was $200. The day we made the decision <laughs> to say we are going to start this church, people think that, you know, you have, to, you have to have everything all figured out. You know, everything has to be, you will be there. You will just stay there forever. You will stay there forever and ever. So you have, to, you have to wake up. And everybody, like I said, everybody has this prompting. It is the people that take the, this, the move. People that make the move, those are the ones that you hear about. Those are the ones that show up on the radar. Because everybody has dreams. Everybody has aspirations. Everybody wants to open a daycare. Everybody wants to start a hair saloon. Everybody wants to open an African store. <laughs> it is the ones who have made the move that you hear about. Those are the ones that you see. But you don't see all of the background, all of the things that, you know, all of the pacing of the room, all of the, you know, that people have done. You don't see that. You don't see what's behind the scene. All the, all the praying that people do, all the laboring, and for the unbelievers, because God is a God of principles. He's not a sentimental God. Uh -huh. It's not sentimental. It's not, God doesn't, it's not moved by your tears. It is your faith that moves God. Many Christians think that it's by, if I cry very well, God will hear me. Let me just cry. Cry, cry, cry. It's not by crying. It's your faith that moves God. So if an unbeliever operates the principles of sowing and reaping, that unbeliever will reap the rewards of sowing and reaping. Okay. Let me just, let me just close it up here. Okay. Finally, what I, want to, what I want to share with you here, I want to talk about something that fuels the leap of faith. It's called praise. Praise is something that, it's almost like you have a car that you want to move. The, the gasoline that you put inside the car called the leap of faith is praise. So the leap of faith is not something that you just do, you know, and you, you, you never have, you know, it's like operating the principles without the person. It's like you just take the principles and say, okay, they've taught us all those things now. All I need to do is go into the scripture, find the scripture, take the scripture, confess the scripture, then the scripture will materialize, then I'll see what I need to do, then I'll do it, then my life will blow. No, <laughs> that's not what we're talking about. We're saying that it comes out of the presence of God. Everything, the beginning of all of this is that you are in the presence of God. You are with God. It's not like you're sitting down at McDonald's and eating fries. Eh? That's not how this thing comes about. It comes from the presence of God. And that thing called the presence of God is what fuels every other move that you make. All the steps that you take, it has to keep fueling it. Let me show you in Isaiah chapter 54. We're still in Isaiah 54. Let me show you the first verse. Isaiah 54 verse 1. Look at what it says. It says, sing, O barren, you who have not born, break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not labored with child. So he's saying that this person that is saying I'm barren, I don't have a child, he's telling the person to break forth into singing. So before you see the manifestation of what you are trusting God for, you have to break forth into singing. See, when you see me, <laughs> if, you see, if you ever get the opportunity to see me on Saturday night in this room when I'm praising God, you will think I'm a mad person. 
That's why I don't invite any of you to come. <laughs> because you can look at me and say, this pastor is not okay. <laughs> you break forth into singing. You break forth into singing. You are praising God with, with reckless abandon. You lock your room. You don't have to come to church to do that. I have access to this place. That's why I can come here. You can do it in your room. You can lock your door. But if I do the kind of praise that I do here, if I do it in my house, they will evict everybody. <laughs> they will evict everybody. I'm dancing, I'm praising God, I'm shouting for joy. Not because, you know, we have too many people and we are doing two services. No, I'm doing it because of what is about to come. Because faith is, uh, uh, praise rather, is what fuels the leap of faith. Please don't forget that. Praise is what fuels the leap of faith. So, in your personal space, you have to be somebody who is constantly praising God. Somebody who, the atmosphere around you is that of praise and worship. You are sweeping the floor in your house. Be, be muttering praise to God. Be, be singing something to God. Right? Get rid of all the junk music in your playlist. Get rid of all of that. Those are not the things that fuel the leap of faith. You know, you, you have to be saturating yourself with the presence of God. All right, so praising God for the unseen sets you free from the jail of the past. Don't limit yourself to what you can have. In this thing called the leap of faith, we don't cut our coats according to our cloth. We cut it according to what we have seen in the scripture. Uh -huh. You know what, what they say, cut your coat according to your, your cloth. It's not size. Size is, uh, is African, <laughs> uh, that's an African uh, version of that thing. It says, cut your coat according to your cloth. But in this thing called the leap of faith, we don't cut. If I want to cut our coat according to our cloth, I will stay and be doing our studio, you know, and just be happy with my life, <laughs> okay? Be going to work, make money, I, you know, during my days off, snap people, collect 150 per hour, and move on with my life. That's what I'll be doing. But you cut it according to the dream that God has put inside your heart. And where you see that dream is in the scriptures, is in the word of God, all right? All right, now let me, let, me, let me just tie this up with this one. This is, this, these things here, these are very important things that I want to show you now, okay? Please follow me here. Genesis chapter 3, verse 6 to 11. We'll close with this. I'll share with you one more thing that Jesus said about being a little child. And I think we can, we can close with that. I, I believe that this has been, whether you say yes or no, I believe this has been a blessing. Uh-huh, you can, you can nod your head. <laughs> and I, I know it, actually, I know. That it's, because it's been a blessing to me. I've, I've been taking time to listen to the messages over and over again. Genesis chapter 3. Look at what it says here. This is the story of, you know, Adam and Eve. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So we have been saying that the thing that fuels a leap of faith, you know, is praise. But what starts it is the voice of God that you heard. Is that what we have been saying? Okay. So if the voice of God is what starts the leap of faith, how come these guys heard the voice of God and they ran away? How come? It's because before the voice of God came, they had fed themselves with something called the knowledge of good and evil. Bill Johnson says it like this, that if you get more information from mainstream and social media than you get from the word of God, your depression is self-inflicted. Do you understand what I'm saying? So if more of the information that you are feeding on 
is coming from the world. When you hear the voice of God, you will hide. When the voice of God comes and is calling you to do something big, you will run away because you have more information about the, the depression in the economy than you have about what God is about to do. So it is the information that they had, the knowledge of good and evil that Adam and Eve are, are, are eating here, what they had, that's what made them run when they heard the voice of God. How do I know? Let me show you in the New Testament. Look at, look at what he said in Matthew, Matthew chapter 18. This is what Jesus said. So to take the leap of faith, you have to be converted. There's a conversion that needs to take place. Jesus said, then Jesus called the little child to him, set him in the midst of them, and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said, except you become converted like little children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. What does it mean by being converted as a little child? Have you ever tried to ask your little ones what they want to be in future? For my own, it keeps changing every time. It keeps changing. Today, it can be astronaut. Tomorrow, it can be pilot. The next day, it wants to be an artist. The next day, why? Why do they have such big dreams? Why can they voice those dreams? It's because they have no information. They don't know what it costs to go to pilot school. They don't have an idea. That, that doesn't come to play in their mind. All they know is that I see people who are this, this is what I want to be. That's what Jesus means by you have to be converted. In other words, you have to get rid of all the junk. All of those things that you, all that, that information that you have. The reason why you have not aspired to own an apartment building in this city is because you know how much it costs to do it. Oh, I wish somebody is understanding what I'm saying. That is the only reason why you have not dared to do it. It's because as you drive by, you are looking at all the, the design. You say, ah, even to get permits from the city or in this place. <laughs> even just permits alone. Ah, then, but you are admiring it. And God is putting a dream inside your heart and saying to you that one day you are going to own an apartment building in this city. As I'm saying it now, the thing is flying over some people's head. And say, oh, that cannot be me, uh -uh, apartment building. Let's even start with me buying a basement. <laughs> Let's even start with that. But God, God is putting that dream in your heart. He wants you to start with owning a townhouse, right? He, he wants you to start with that. But the ultimate plan is that one day, you will be the one renting out houses to new immigrants in this city. But the reason why you have not embraced it is because you know what it costs to do things. You are monitoring the price of lumber. You see how the price is going up. <laughs> You see that. So you are, as you are monitoring it, you are, ah, man, this thing. Then you just, and, and the, 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 this is what happens to people. When people try to reach for something and they realize what it's going to cost to do it, they start speaking bad about that thing. They shift. They just shift. They start talking negative about it. They start talking bad about it because now it's out of their reach. So when they see other people who are doing it, uh, don't mind them. Don't mind them. Think everything is about, about fine car. It's not about car, let me just tell you. Everything is not about car. Everything is not about car. Let me just tell you now. We are not all going to have business. But God is putting the dream in your hearts. <laughs> we are not all going to. It's just like the way some people talk about church. Say, oh, there are some churches that are destined to be big. Some are just destined to be small, like a family. 
This one is not a family like that. Let me just tell you. <laughs> Some churches just be a family. <laughs> a cozy, cozy family. I like a cozy church. It's a lie. Oh God, the problem is that you are not, you are not doing the work. <laughs> you, are not, you don't want to get out of your comfort zone to do the work that it requires. Dude, you have to get out there and do what it takes to do what your heart is yearning for. And if every time you see people that have a big church, something moves in your heart, that's your, your thing you are saying is, is fake. It's fake. If every time you hear that somebody else has bought a house, something shifts inside your heart, like envy is shifting in your heart, you are denying yourself of that dream. You are denying yourself. That means that there's something in your heart that is yearning for it, but you are, you are refusing it because you are too afraid of what it's going to take to do it. So I hope with these few points of mine, I've been able to convince you and not to confuse you. That one day very soon, that leap of faith is going to come. That opportunity will show up. It will show up in your life and you have to be ready for it. You have to be ready to recognize it and to jump into it. Alright? Bow your heads with me and pray. Say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through this message? I think the prayer we need to pray today is to be converted. To say, Lord, I want to be converted. I want to become like a little child. To be able to take whatever you are telling me. Whatever it is that you are prompting in my heart. I want to be able to accept it. I want to be able to accept it. I don't want to be afraid. I don't want to be afraid of doing what it is that I know that you are asking me to do. Make sure you are praying. You have just a, a few moments to pray. So please make sure you are praying. Jesus said, except you are converted and become like a little child, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. He's not just talking about making heaven. He's talking about experiencing the kingdom of heaven, the things that the kingdom of heaven, bringing the reality of heaven to the earth in your life. If you don't become converted as a little child and accept this faith, believe God for anything that God is putting in your heart. There's nothing that is beyond you. There's nothing like, oh, I'm, I'm just an immigrant. All I want to do is just to have my $10 per hour job and be able to pay for my apartment. No, God is saying that in this, he brought you here to inherit the land. That's what he brought you here for, to inherit the land for the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of the gospel, so that the gospel can advance, so that the kingdom of God can move forward. It's not just for you and your family. It's so that you can, you can advance the things of the kingdom. Some of you, God is going to prompt your heart to go into governance, into politics, to, to run for counselor, to run for one thing or the other, to start the process. Don't, 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 don't speak it away because you are afraid of what it will take. Don't speak it away. You need to go back to God and get the evidence. If that is the thing that God is putting in your heart, get the evidence of it and take the step that it requires. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Father, we thank you for your word again today. We thank you for how you have opened our eyes throughout this series. By the power of your spirit, we ask that you establish us in this truth and this revelation. And, Lord, that it will take root in our lives and produce tremendous results in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we are prayed. Amen. All right. God bless you. Um, just a few announcements and then we will be, we'll be on our way. Thank you for listening to this message from Believer's House. We hope you've been blessed. Please visit us at www.believershouse.church for more information about our church or to send us your questions, comments, and feedback. We hope to see you again soon.